Last night we were watching the HBO that Gwen Shamblin cult. Um, oh yes, on the way down, I've yeah. read it. I watched it, and we were watching it. And we we're on episode two, and my little sister walks in, and she's like, "Haven't you guys had enough of this shit?" <laughs> and, and we were like, "Yes and no." <laughs> Welcome to Burning What's up, guys? I'm your host, Hannah Burner, and this is the first episode of my L.A. tour. I'm calling it a tour, but it's just me talking shit to people in L.A. And um, <laughs> You can do that because you're from New York. Yeah, so I know. We'll take it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just a New York alien. Um, my first guest is very, very special. Everyone knows on Giggly Squad, I talk about dope documentaries, and I'm obsessed with documentaries. I'm obsessed with cults. I was obsessed with Nexium. I watched it with Dez during quarantine. And then we heard Seduced came out, which I watched on Delta. Highly recommend. <laughs> and For your in-flight journey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend if you have any um, flying anxiety, this will definitely shift your anxiety to other things. <laughs> and I have India Oxenberg here. She's shared her journey to the world about nexium and her experience and you've been navigating while also sharing your story but also healing so thank you for coming on india it's my pleasure i'm really excited because i have not been in the zone so to speak yeah. of talking about myself i thought oh let me go traveling and like ignore everything that i'm you know have been dealing with for the past couple of years but the funny thing is it really doesn't matter where you go your mm. problems go with you oh. Ooh. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how much you drink or how much you smoke mm -hmm. or how much you try to avoid them. They're just there. And so I have uh, come full circle. I'm now back home in L.A. after some journeys that I took with um, with Patrick, who mm -hmm. I who I also talk about. Um, Your fiance. Yes. Um, but. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Um, he's my he's my guy, and so we went on a couple adventures, and then you know I came back. He stayed in Italy to study some more, and I found myself at a point where I was like, I think I really need to get back into therapy. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I had been trying to do all of these other things to kind of like navigate around the really uncomfortable stuff that. Funny enough, I have talked about to complete strangers yes. for now, I guess, the past year plus. But it's still there. And I think that's something that I was so, like, disheartened about these past couple of months while I was traveling. Because I thought that, like, getting away from my, you know, normal life and routine would help alleviate some of those, you know, pains or nightmares or traumas. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't. And so, like, I'm sorry to be the downer of, like, <laughs> you know, this new post-vaccinated travel. But yeah. if you have any emotional <laughs> issues, <laughs> like, you should pack an extra bag like I did because they're oh coming along. No, I remember and I was going through some shit and I was like, I'm going to Mexico for four days. Not going to help. You're sitting there on the beach and you're like, oh, I still feel the pain. I know. Um, turns Wild. out it's not where you are. It's what's in your head. Because... Mm -hmm. Your head is your home. Yeah. Wow. I love that we went right fucking into it. I thought I might have to, to like, 
pull it out of you a little, but you're like, this is me. This is what I'm doing. No, I'm I'm pretty much an open book, which I actually think is like a blessing and a curse. Yeah. And sometimes my partner's like, overshare, overshare. Oh, I'm same. Like, I'm like, uh, I don't really know that filter, but I just, it's just me. And I, I, I feel like the best medicine for me has been to be like brutally honest about my experiences yeah. because they were so strange to a lot of people. I thought, okay, first of all, everyone's going to think I'm totally nuts mm-hmm. that, that, you know, this happened to me or I even got involved in something like this. Mm-hmm. So I might as well just be blunt about why and what and how in hopes that they can relate because I do think more people related than not and I was really afraid that it would be the opposite actually when I decided to speak out. I'm so happy you brought this up because I just want to let you know because we don't know each other. No, but this I is feel the like first I time do. but I feel like <laughs> we do. We'll, we'll probably have a couple past lives. We'll get into that another time but I <laughs> I want to let you know that when I talk about cults to people, I do get a lot of responses of like, I can't believe they yeah. got involved in that. Yeah. Or people being like, talking about um, like a mid-level marketing scheme, being like, how could people, I'm the first to be like, I would join a cult. Like I'm, <laughs> I know that I'm the person who would easily join a cult. I appreciate that <laughs> I just, because that And I want to put that out there. <laughs> I honestly think that that means that you understand that you have vulnerabilities mm. because I don't think that anyone joins a cult consciously unless you're like really into satanic rituals Mm -hmm. and that's your thing Mm -hmm. which is fine this podcast does go there sometimes yeah and and if that's your that's not mine Mm -hmm. but i think most people who get involved or or become like the cloud like the collateral damage of a cult Mm -hmm. are good-hearted people who are really just looking for some kind of community or direction or belief system that they feel is missing inside of them and i think most people feel like there's something missing at some point of their lives. Like it isn't something that maybe we feel 24 Mm seven, but the more people I talk to and the more people I've connected to because of this story have told me that they had those same vulnerabilities. They had those same questions that were kind of plaguing them. Like, what is the point of my life? Like, what do I do? And do I know how to do that for myself? Well, it sounds like people in general will look for external things for happiness. When you were saying that, it kind of reminded me of like girls who were listening. Have you ever dated a toxic guy? You don't consciously try a to date of them. A, or, or all of <laughs> the whole world, 40 of them. So it's like you think he's going to make you happy. You see the things you want to see. Yeah. It's like we none of us purposely get involved in self-harming stuff. Yeah. Um it's like what is sort of familiar and then also what you want it to be. Yes. And you, th- it's, it's also then hard to get out mm-hmm. once you get in the cycles. But um, I think I relate to you a lot when we're both 30. Yay, 30. We're both like summer babies. I'm August. June. You're June. I did our research. We both just got engaged. Yes. In the last couple, whatever. And I see so many like similarities between us. Mm-hmm. I did. I was joking with my fiance earlier. I did just get out of a cult um, called Bravo, and then (laughs) (laughs) that's why we can we can safely say that the hub is Los Angeles, and all others spur from there. (laughs) Los Angeles is a cult. I do. It's funny because Des was like, "Okay, don't make that joke." But walking in, I realized immediately like it wasn't something that you were gonna be like. No. Like at first, he was like, "Don't even say the word cult. It might trigger her." And I'm like, "Okay, we're gonna." He was just like, he knew he knows that sometimes my humor could be like very dark and and we don't know you as a person. We just know you from watching you. But I also was like, I want to understand India 
the person. But we also both want... I really appreciate that, by the way. Because I think sometimes people do really want to be precious about those things, which is a good thing. Yeah. Like, you should be sensitive and you should be aware and just, like, don't go and... Like, for instance, I'll give you an example of a boundary that I've had to put. Mm. There are people who went in the interviewing process when I was doing publicity for stars for Seduced. There were some people who were like, oh, can we see your brand? And I was like, "Uh, (gasps) so you're asking me to unbutton my pants and like literally remove this part of my underwear. It's like you're a so you tourist attraction. Yeah, I'm like, this isn't like a peep show. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the like, answer yeah, is for 500 no. bucks. <laughs> the answer is no. If you want to see that, go watch the show. But no, <laughs> yeah. that's not what I'm here for. So like that kind of stuff is something that I just feel like is a lack of sensitivity yeah. and kind of like an objectification really of yeah. somebody who they think like, oh, you're talking about, you know, your sexual abuse or you're talking about your traumatic experiences. So you're a completely open book yes and no Mm -hmm. like there's still things that are you know private but that's what's also hard is that your trauma has been publicized to the world i know it's like having everyone look in your underwear drawer it's not always fun (laughs) yeah and i mean i dealt with it in a much smaller scale with like reality tv people watch like the the story edited drama that they want you to see and then everyone's invested in it and you still feel so like I don't want to say violated, but it's like people are in on your shit. Yeah. Where you are times a million <laughs> in terms of like a don't deep. Don't remind me, I'm do- sweating. Oh no, but just like a deep documentary yeah. of something you went through. But I'm so proud of you that you turned it into this like, because you wanted to have a purpose and it's kind of crazy, but like you've affected my life. Aww. You've affected, I know, so many people's lives. And I, it's because I think I see myself in you. Well, that was my hope in sharing, is that it would actually have an impact in that way, in a positive way, where we would be able to see somebody and not go, that could never happen to me, but actually the opposite. And you could go, wow, I, I really can relate to her. And I was really nervous because I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but the, the overall outcome and response that I had regarding Seduced and my book was that people really felt a connection and that they were understood that the things that they also felt shame or or grief about were, were getting kind of processed through watching the series. And, and mm-hmm. anytime somebody would message me on Instagram and be like, I watch your show, I'm like, wow, thanks, because it's not an easy show to watch. It's uncomfortable and it, it brings up a lot of you know, different emotions in people, whether it's rage or sadness or, you know, relatability like we're talking about, it touches on some things that society is really uncomfortable about to look at. And 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 I think that that's something that I was both really nervous and also kind of excited to mm-hmm. talk about because I don't think people really want to go there all the time when it comes to the the tougher stuff well even people being like yeah i'd never join a cult there's so many things that are like that use similar like you can get groomed you can be manipulated in so many different situations a cult is just like a socially accepted name of a certain thing right but i also think that (laughs) you also like crushed the cult like you were like amazing in the cult. Like, you were, like, 
that's what my mom says. <laughs> like, that's I hate to say it, but like you should be proud that like Aww. regardless that it was a cult, you went in, you were so <laughs> you were like so driven. You like really immersed yourself in the community. You even when things were not going well for you, sorry, just cracked my knuckle, you just continued to like push and then like you rose up the ranks Ugh. and you you like did a great job at it. <laughs> but I, that's how they get you yeah, those are the people that they get and that the funny thing is that my mom actually said this to me <laughs> the other day and i was like thanks mom um you guys are small talk which must be so funny <laughs> it, it, she, she, we have great we have great conversations because really at this point there is nothing that we, we have not discussed the kitchen table in the morning yeah. just like, like remember last, that one time last night we were watching the hbo that gwen shamblin cult um oh yes on the way down i've yeah. read it i watched it and we were watching it and we we're on episode two and my little sister walks in and she's like haven't you guys had enough of this shit <laughs> and we were like Yes and no. <laughs> but doesn't it make you feel a little more normal? Yeah, because I go, oh, there's Keith. Oh, there's Nancy. Oh, shit. No, there's me. Like, you know, you can you identify yourself in the situation, but you also have separation from it mm -hmm. because you can see, wow, I was not the only one who was kind of looking for something and then got either manipulated or dragged into it and coerced into something that was entirely different. So yes, I might have crushed the call and I actually really liked looking at it like that because that, that points back to me and, and that's kind of how I am in everything that I do. Like, I want to do a good job. I was never a great student. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm dyslexic, so traditional education for me was always a little like, uh, not, But you not, probably have a like pot, like creative brain. I find a lot of my dyslexic friends are like really special in other ways that their brain works. I always would ask, so I would get like the assignment and they would say, oh yeah, you can write an essay. And I'd be like, what about the creative option? Like, the one with less grammar. <laughs> and so I would just submit poems or like, something. Can I just paint my vision? Yes. I'm like, Huckleberry Finn, the painting. <laughs> but no, that's really more how my brain works. And so I think in a lot of ways I was able to really convince myself that a shitty, shitty situation was good because I didn't really have the option to walk away. And, you know, I was in Nexium for seven years. So mm -hmm. from the time I was 19 until around 25. Mm -hmm. um, but the last two years specifically were in DOS, which was a much more aggressive and um, abusive environment. Yeah. And so I think that's that's where people go like they get a little confused and they think that they're kind of the same mm -mm. but the actual you know overarching cult nexium had a whole bunch of subgroups in them yeah and i you know i succeeded at some of them and others i didn't but it was all rigged so that really does a lot of damage to your self-esteem and your in your belief in what you're capable of doing so that's kind of how it a cult can trap you because they make the this insular system where you only think that your success can happen within the group and now you don't have any real work experience outside mm -hmm. of the group you might not even have finances outside of the group or friends and you kind of cut off all of your access to the outside world and so coming out is actually harder than getting sucked in Wow! because you have to kind of confront all of these 
beliefs that they've you know implemented into mm-hmm. you like you know you're broken you're this you're that you need us nobody's gonna love it's you it's an all abusive the- relationship exactly and that's what I really wanted people to be able to see and seduce that this was an extreme example of something that happens to millions of women mm-hmm. and men yep. and all anyone on a pretty regular basis yeah. and it takes the average woman seven times to leave an abusive relationship now imagine that in an entire group So it's like, I really have a lot of, you know, I commend anyone who's left an abusive relationship or a high control group because that's the hardest part. And then you got to go and rebuild your life. Wow. I really feel like your face is normalizing this experience because like for people listening, it's like... (laughs) It could really happen to anyone. Like, I'm looking at you, and I really think if I had just... I mean, I was in college sports, and I, for some reason... Who do you play? Tennis. Oh, cool. And I... When I hear sometimes them speak being like, if you... That's... This is weak. This is weak. So I was raised... I'm not saying that college sports is a cult, but it was like, you're weak if you we say, I don't want to do it. programming is a more like... Well, yeah, because I was in a word. group with a power dynamic and you were scared to mess up or you could lose your scholarship. And it was very like, you couldn't decipher between, is this pain good or is this pain bad? And I would get rewarded when I'd push myself way further than was healthy. And I... Physically or emotionally both. or both. Yeah. You're like beyond tired. You're just going, going, going because you feel like it's all going to be worth it in the end to be a champion. And it's a thin line between abuse and just like being a tennis player. And with you, it's funny because you went in with dreams of like in as like a chef or like a cookbook. And a lot of people went in like to be an actress. And then, yeah, they lose that vision. And then it's like, I want to be the best at Nexium. Well, pretty close. And I actually see your situation is really similar to what I've I've learned from a lot of survivors from the Larry Nasser and the gymnastics world. And a lot of them have come forward to me and shared their stories too. Wow. And um, there is that fine line between like, what is, what is good here? Like, is this, is this what it means to be a champion or is this actually really hurting me? And when you're young and you look to somebody who's in a a position of authority, you kind of, you just defer to them. And, and it, you don't know yourself enough to know, like, hey, this isn't cool, unless somebody teaches you. And I think most of us just don't have good programming about what's right for us mm-hmm. and or our needs. And so we just defer to somebody else to and tell us. And if they're us. the expert yeah. and someone's telling you what you need to do and you can't do it and they just go, well, that means you're not good enough. Then you really learn to believe that and you internalize that in yourself. And that's something that I struggle with now even is just like, what is... I know I'm capable in some ways, but why do I still feel so deficient in others? And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, but in the cult, specifically what they do to kind of erode your self-esteem is that they start to use the things that you love the most against you. So Ooh. if it's your family or if it's your career, they'll kind of twist it so that those are actually the things that are crippling you from your commitment to yourself but really what they're saying is your commitment to nexium or to the leadership or to the group is weakened because of your dependencies to the things that you love so they use that's really manipulative and then when you lose the <laughs> things you love you're empty your yeah. shell and they could probably mold you exactly and you don't have anybody else to recalibrate to because now you've kind of cut off of 
you've cut yourself off of all those, those things and now you're really dependent on the group. Um, so that's a very slippery slope, especially if you're somebody who is, you know, open to that, mm-hmm. But uh, which I was. Who, you kind of hit on this a little, but who was India at 18? <laughs> oh, lost. Um, let me think. I had just left a year of un- like university in Boston, mm-hmm. and I, I went with, <laughs> this is so funny to just like hear myself say it, but I had, I grew up in um, Los Angeles in Malibu specifically and I went to Malibu High and I had you know my first boyfriend who mm-hmm. I really loved and I followed him to Boston and he was really driven as a musician and he went to Berkeley College of Music and so I was like well I should go to Boston like literally had no idea what I wanted to do or what I was gonna do and I just followed him because I wasn't ready to break up and so I was young and um, good good state full of colleges though good one yes. to choose <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it had a lot of options. And so I, I started to study things that I knew, which were entertainment management. I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I grew up with actors. I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. I can manage the shit out of this. Mm-hmm. And so I studied that, but I was still really lost. And I I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so we, I left Boston. I came back to California. And I started to look for work. Because my mom told me, if you're not going to be in college, you got to get your ass a job. Mm-hmm. And so I started to work in production, which is what I was familiar with. And then I kind of started to rekindle this love of, like, food and cooking and catering with a with a, one of my high school best friends. Cool. Um, so I started to do that, but I was still feeling really insecure. And, like, I didn't have a lot of the skills that I thought that I needed, which is so funny to think that you're – like, I look at my siblings now who <laughs> are 18 and 20, and I'm like, wow, there's so much shit that you don't know how to do yet. Yeah. And I, I had such, like, so much expectation for myself and such a high amount of pressure to, like, be somewhere that I just was not developmentally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at that point was when a friend of my mom and myself introduced us to what was called ESP. They didn't introduce. They didn't talk about Nexium at all. Like, that was not a thing. They talked about executive success program, mm. which sounds so interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, it sounds formal. It sounds legit. Right. Executive sounds success Sounds like program. smart people are there. Right. So we went to this intro presentation, and I was at that crossroads where I was looking for some kind of guidance and structure that was maybe alternative to college. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't yeah. sure I was going to go back to college, but I also knew, shit, there's so much stuff that you don't know and how you, to do. It sounds like you liked untraditional education yeah i did and i do still yeah (laughs) so i gotta keep my eyes peeled for that (laughs) now but um i there was just something about the intro presentation and the way that they presented the program that really spoke to me Mm. and they were talking about you know going into your past fears that were affecting your future and kind of getting rid of those. Yeah, and I love that shit. Yeah, and they, you know, like therapy type things, but mm. also practical. And and they were talking about how scientific it was, which really... It wasn't like woo-woo. Exactly, it was, which really got me. And in L.A., that's everywhere. Exactly, and I had grown up with a mother who I absolutely love who but was a seeker herself and, yes. and brought me to, you know, a lot of really interesting alternative modalities and so I was a little jaded and so the fact that this was scientific really was like hmm, this is gonna be my thing mm-hmm. um <laughs> which was like the worst decision I could have ever made but it's so funny but when you 
nothing that you've said so far has put up any red flags for me. I know. And, <laughs> and you're like, that's the, a bad decision. I'm like, you're literally investing in yourself. That's the dangerous part is that actually nothing really in the intro presentation had any perceived red flags that we Which is would've... purposeful. Yes. It's, I was reading some articles. You mentioned love bombing. Yeah. And it's so similar to just a toxic relationship where it starts off very simple. It's like a horror movie. You know, the first scene of a horror movie is always like really fun. <laughs> and they're like, just wait. It's right. about to get you a shit show. Beautiful. <laughs> the girl's running down the street. Yeah. The suburbs. In her athleisure. And there's a golden retriever. <laughs> and like then, you know, five minutes later, he shows up. <laughs> but in my case, it didn't even happen that fast. No. And so that's the other part that I really actually appreciate about the way that we um, structured Seduced was that it was going to kind of give you that experience of being indoctrinated and also that this doesn't happen overnight, that it's a slow build. I just realized that because I remember during it, I'm like, this is good. And then I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is good. And then by the end, I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. (laughs) But like by the time you got to that place... It wasn't surprising. It was like, yeah, no shit. She's been with this guy for so long. She's seen so much of the community. She's part of it. Right. And there's actually the the worst part is that there's so much that you don't see until it's too late. And that's very much the horror movie because you are in an environment where everyone's telling you that this is great. This is a humanitarian group. We're here to work on ourselves and our growth. And any feedback that we give you is for your benefit. So that's like a really good way to start to abuse somebody because now they're open to receiving any kind of criticism, any type of command and whatnot. So you don't really know your boundaries anymore, if that makes sense. It is so similar. It's so funny about the Larry Nasser thing because one of the thing with coaches, their whole thing to me was like, you need to trust me. Yeah, and that's and I'm gonna push your body and your mind to places that you've never thought. Because if you want to be a champion, that's where you have to go, and you're going to be uncomfortable. And that's good, and you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. don't tell me when you're nervous or scared, or I'm gonna think you're weak. Like that's literally what I was raised yeah. on. But what's funny is I feel like the people that. Tell me if you agree, the people that fall for this kind of stuff, a lot of the time they're the most like empathetic, kind people that like you really are trusting. Like I hate to use the word gullible because I don't think you're gullible. I personally think that people, I want to, I'm hopeful. I'd say I am a little bit gullible, but I also (laughs) am someone who really wants to see the good in people and also really likes trusting. And now when somebody says, trust me, I'm like, ugh. I immediately feel like which is which normal. is actually a good thing. So I'm so glad that I have that response. And I, <laughs> I remember one time I was work. I worked with the FBI for like nine months as a cooperating witness. And I remember one it's time cool. them telling me, yeah, perfect. Really cool. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> when they bring you pastries, that's nice. But otherwise, <laughs> it's just like holy shit, don't fuck up. But um, they. I remember one of the prosecutors who is also um. An agent she told me she's like you really need I really need you to work on having people earn your trust and Ooh. and I and I was like oh what does that mean like that feels so weird and she's like you I need you to do the opposite of what you would normally do where you kind of want to just trust somebody on blind faith like don't do that anymore and and it seems so simple but it's actually quite hard because if you're somebody who 
doesn't, you know, have a lot of street smarts or, you know, wants to be trusting or was raised in maybe a really good home. Where Are you, you a people could, pleaser? Yes. So when you meet someone, if you're not trusting of them and you're a pretty authentic person, you might offend them. it'll come off like you're a bitch. Mm-hmm. Which I am trying to learn to be a little more bitchy mm-hmm. and less um, giving mm-hmm. and, and not and that's not my nature like i i, I like i like to nurture i like to give but there's something about like a maybe a positive part about being bitchy which is really more self-protective mm. and that's something that i'm trying to be a little bit stronger at do you believe that there are bad people in this world yes okay this is shaking me to the core because i over the last couple of years, for some, I don't know if I read an Instagram quote or something, but I was like, I don't believe that there's bad people. I think people have, they deal with their, they have traumas they haven't worked with. It's not their fault. And then recently in my life, to cope with stuff, I had to realize like, you trusted and it fucked you. Mm-hmm. And for, so <laughs> you think that there's bad people. Yeah. And I had to get to that place too. And that's a really scary place to go. Um, I remember like that was part of my like the darkest times that I had was when I really had to come to terms with that there were people who I trusted who were inherently not good and that actually they wanted to do harm. They wanted to hurt you. And that's something that was so that screwed me up because I was like, no, because I come from that same kind of philosophy of, you know, everybody has their traumas and they're working they mean it out well. with you. And they, they mean well. They would never deliberately want to take you down or hurt you. But there are people who have different brains, like sociopaths, yeah. who don't have empathy like we do. And, yeah. and that's something I had to come to terms with, that some of the people that I had really, you know, grown to trust and, and handed over, literally, collateral that would damage me didn't give a shit if they, that I was feel like they target the highly empathetic people because you are giving them the benefit of the doubt yes and also you kind of conceal their bad behavior because you're kind of a minion of theirs to kind of promote all the good stuff that they don't have to do for themselves <laughs> to step back for a second this is so incredible this is like my this is my dream right now doing this <laughs> i'm so into it <laughs> Okay, so at what point were you like, this is a lot to go through? Like, like, isn't it insane what he did? Like, the amount of levels of manipulation to get people to a point. Like, were you ever just like, how the fuck did... Like, how could you have even expected that they would do all this stuff to even make Das a thing of it? Like, it was so intricate and complex. It and- took me a long time to to actually realize that. I had to be out of the group for some time to actually have some perspective on what had actually happened. <laughs> when you're in it, it's hard to see. Because it's not like a guy cheated on you. No. This is like a really, really complex... Really thought out. And, and I, I remember actually when I was still very much like indoctrinated into their way of thinking um, and the very first interview, (laughs) I'm doing air quotes here, Mm -hmm. with the FBI that I had, they showed up at my apartment at 7 a.m. and started talking to me. And for three hours we spoke. And one of the very last things that they said to me was, well, can't you see that he set this whole thing up so that he could just have access to, you know, sex slaves whenever he wanted? (laughs) And, and, And I was like, I actually laughed. I laughed like that because it was so out. The thought was so outlandish to me because I had been. Go to a strip club. Exactly. (laughs) And I was like, no way. 
Keith? Ew. Really? That's like what all of this is about. I couldn't even I couldn't even take that in because it was so crazy to me. And it, it took me months and months after I had left and, you know, nine months of working with the FBI and working with the deprogrammer and all of the other things that I had to do and still continue to do mm-hmm. to realize that that was true. That for him, it was all about power and control, that it wasn't about sex. And, yeah, and no. that was the part that I... That's not what rape is. No. And that was the part that I couldn't understand because I don't have a brain like that. Yeah. And so when it comes to thinking, are there, you know, are there good people? You can't even put people, yourself in his shoes. It's so difficult to do, to, to even see it if you have never had an experience of it or you haven't been taught what to look for. Those are the red flags that I feel like we really need to teach each other and also teach, you know, if we have children, teach our children to to be able to look for that, but not to be living in fear, just to And then to be walking, yeah, to be walking side by side with him for so long and to be so deeply immersed in it, then you probably had to question a lot of like what your meaning was and how close you were to evil. I know. And I did. And and that was like really hard. And (laughs) it's like somebody asked me, they're like, well, didn't you ever think like, that maybe what he was doing was wrong when you were in there. And I was like, no, because you weren't allowed to think like that. Mm-hmm. And also for a, in a self-protective way, like I so wanted to see the good in what we were doing because there were times that were so fucking hard mm-hmm. where you're literally like starving. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that you're going to in that moment think, what if this is all bad? Because you'll lose your mind. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of like keep this reality that you have going for yourself as long as possible and I I've come at first I was really judgmental about that part of myself because Mm. I was like oh my god what a loser Mm -hmm. that you had to do that but then I realized that it was actually self-protective yeah um but there have been many times where I've questioned myself I've questioned my decision making I've questioned my sanity I've questioned my ability to choose love in my life Mm. my my ability to feel appropriately like there's a lot of things that I put into question because of those experiences well it's funny also after trauma people don't talk a lot about when you're in the trauma you're not processing it no so like you're compartmentalizing people will say that to me they're like are you still talking about this thing that happened to you four months ago or something I'm like yeah because I didn't realize it happened until like yesterday yeah I know (laughs) and and I think we feel a lot of shame about like the the lapse or yes. the lag that it takes and you're just like oh I'm so stupid like why didn't I see that or why didn't I know and and I do this to myself and I I'll be like god damn it this took me like 10 days or you know <laughs> three months mm-hmm. to realize that that actually really affected me and it's taken me some time to be able to just communicate or verbalize when those things happen because you get so used to just suppressing it or compartmentalizing it and you know making it good or oh they didn't mean it well you had a full narrative in your brain that then got completely turned around once you heard keith on the usb drive Mm -hmm. telling the truth about the situation yeah so your whole story how what kind of form of ptsd do you have is it a lot of like moments like you're you're reliving stuff because I'll go to sleep at night and like it just comes like the bad times and you're like no do I need to go on my phone again I I just had all this happen recently so I can easily recall (laughs) it for you but so I think um in the beginning I couldn't talk about it I couldn't 
like I didn't even have access to the fact that I had been sexually abused. It just wasn't even there. I was so used to, you know, black is white and white is black that I couldn't even communicate it. Then with some time and separation, I was able to start to talk about things, but I still couldn't criticize anything. And so there was a lot of areas that I wouldn't go because that would mean that I would have to say that something was bad or that it had upset me or that it had hurt me and I wasn't ready for that either and so it's been oh so you left like I'm good I got out I'm good yeah and I I felt like all my anger about what had happened was still directed towards my mother and so that that was their strategy was kind of like you know make her the enemy so you you don't have to look at the real monster in the room and so I had to do a lot of healing with my mom and with my family mm-hmm. in order to come back to reality, really, about who was actually there for me and who actually loved me and what love really was and what it felt like and which I didn't feel for some time. Like, I felt really um, empty inside and f- kind of frozen. And so it took me a long time to start to actually feel things again. And so I had to... You were numb. Yeah completely numb well they took everything you loved away from you yes so you could only possibly like love one thing exactly and you feel a lot of self-hatred in the absence of all of the like feelings that you used to have yeah because nothing really feels the same and you don't feel the same because you're not no and so i think part of my healing journey has been coming to coming back to myself and like really reminding myself of what I like, what are my preferences, what are my needs. But that requires you to listen to your authentic voice that has been really squashed for a long time. Yeah. And and she's coming back and I feel her more and more now and I feel myself now. So when it comes to like what kind of PTSD I have, it's triggers. And I think it's like more of a complex PTSD because mm-hmm. it was a long period of time. Yes. And it was also a time where my brain was really um, malleable. Yep. And so a lot of the beliefs that they, you know, tried to indoctrinate us with, which some worked, some did not, I've had to just undo and just question a lot of things. So it's it's a process and it's still happening and i'm like just found a really great therapist once again because i congrats I, yeah right? it's hard it's to really find hard. and i think that that's something that i have gotten to the point in my own process that i was like wow i really need some help with understanding these triggers that kind of derail me sometimes and and i don't want to be you know living my life and then all of a sudden for a week i can't stop crying that's that's where I'm at sometimes but that is part of it and that is more like the authentic voice coming out and grieving and and processing things the whole feeling you're feeling so uncomfortable and it's so annoying and that's why you (laughs) can avoid therapy because you're like I can go in an interview and say what happened to me but then when you actually have to feel the real shit that's underneath and you were also taught while at the cult that feeling feelings is not okay right and so I think for me I'm I deal with um, triggers that are more circumstantial okay. or that are, you know, they're, they're a, a series of things and I'm starting to be able to identify them all. So like when they happen, I'm like, oh, okay, that's what that is. But sometimes I'm a little late to the party and like I'll be really fucked up for, you know, a couple hours and I'll be like, whoa, what happened? And then I have mm-hmm. to go and retrace my steps and figure mm-hmm. it out. So it's, I'm learning. W- what does the term deprogramming mean? Mm. So 
deprogramming is something that I've come to learn through, you know, all my cult research on myself <laughs> and with other people. When you're in a, a cult or a high control group or an abusive relationship, it, it could be one on one. It doesn't have or in your family mm-hmm. <laughs> it does not have to mm-hmm. be uh, a cult specifically. You are indoctrinated to believe certain things about yourself uh, and about the world and that everyone's programmed with different things. They're either positive programming or negative programming. Um, what I think happens in a cult specifically is that you're unconscious to what you're being indoctrinated into and that's the coercive part. You think that you're you know, getting one teaching but you're really getting the teaching to be subservient when that's not something that serves you. So a deprogrammer is someone who will go in and help you question the programming that was done to you they're not necessarily therapists mm-hmm. um or or credentialed some of them are actually survivors of cults oh, wow. so they've had experiences themselves that are similar to mine or whomever they're working with and for me that was like the first kind of introduction into kind of talking about what had happened without the expectation of having to resolve it all mm-hmm. um and so it, that's kind of what a deprogrammer does. They they help you re-engage your ability to think critically and not in the closed loops that cults kind of require you to think in. Wow, this is so fascinating. <laughs> and you've also, you are engaged. I'm going to say this not eloquently. How the fuck did you find love again? <laughs> Accidentally, I guess. <laughs> also, the cute way. It's like yeah. when you're not looking for it, to yes. find you. <laughs> I was like, no guys, yeah. no boyfriends, no love, no bullshit. I didn't want any of it, really. I was not looking yeah. for it at all. I was actually so focused on working because my whole life was falling apart around me, and I was working in the the East Village as a manager of a cafe. And I'm in the Lower East Side right oh, now, so I know exactly what you were up to. Oh, I nine. love those coffee shops. And so I was like. If I just hold on to my job, everything will be fine. And I, this was the very, very early stages. Like, I still wasn't really totally out of Well, you went yet. from a very controlled environment to, like, flying around free. So it was Yeah, scary. and I still was not free. Like, yeah. I was still mentally and, you know, emotionally very tied into um, the things that I had been taught. Mm-hmm. So I was really trying to, like break loose of a lot of those invisible chains that I didn't even realize that I was tied down by. Mm-hmm. And so I met my, I met Patrick, um, who was working at the restaurant across the street in the East Village, owned by the same company. Okay. That, so it was called Matthew Kenny Cuisine, and I was a manager, he was a chef, at a place called Double Zero, which is a vegan like pizzeria. Neither of us um, are vegan now, but we <laughs> met in this plant-based world. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a cult. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Which is a cult. Sorry, vegan friends. Um, I love you. <laughs> There's I'll- no real leader, so you're fine. Yeah, just the lord of veggies. Yes. And so we met there, and I just didn't realize how much I needed a friend Mm. and he was so kind and he was really trying to be helpful which raised all of my red flags because I was like what do you want yeah (laughs) yeah and he was like uh I kind of just want a man trying to help me be better (laughs) interesting right I've seen this shit before (laughs) and and, and he was and actually it was he's like do you want to go on a late night walk and you're like I'd rather die yeah yeah, seriously (laughs) I mean, it was it was funny like that. But I had um, I had a, a boss who 
told me I was looking for a place to live. Well, let's go back a little. Mm -hmm. Allison had been arrested Mm -hmm. and I had to leave the apartment in the middle of the night, uh, which was really stressful. And I was also working 14 hours a day, which I loved because Mm -hmm. then I didn't have to think about my life whatsoever. Um, And my boss was like, why don't you ask Patrick for some suggestions of places to live because he lives in Williamsburg and that was an easy, you know, train Mm -hmm. ride. And he knows a lot of people there and he might be able to help you. And I was like, "Mm, okay, fine. And so I ended up asking him for referrals of places to live and I just couldn't find a place to live because nobody wanted to live with me because they would Google me and they would just see branded, they would see branded sex slave and I would be like, like I was really good at the cult though. Like I was the top (laughs) cult member. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to find anywhere to live. Because I have the worst online profile at this moment. And I, I would just be like, why don't you just take my deposit and don't Google me? But that just doesn't happen. And so I was really in a bad place. And, and he offered, he said, well, okay, you can put your stuff here in my apartment. You can stay here for a little while and while you find a place to live. And I was like, okay, that's Did he have a one nice. bedroom? No, he lived in, a, in an apartment with uh, four other okay. guys with rooms and space. And okay, as long as there's space and yes, not a studio. There, yes, and it was not a studio. And he was very polite and very gentlemanly. And he slept on the couch and I slept in the bed. And Did all you I, think he was cute? Yes. <laughs> but I also was like not in a place no. to even think that anyone was cute because I was feeling so, so weird inside and yeah. so stressed. And I was like, am I going to go to jail? Should I like this guy? Uh, like there was a lot People of... People are listening. It's like, this is how to find love. Join a cult. <laughs> Get out of the cult. <laughs> Be confused. Sleep on a guy's yeah. couch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Hope that he's nice. Hope that he's um, nice. And he, he was just like really there for me in a way that I hadn't experienced anyone in in a long time obviously because in the cult that was not how my relationships were developed and he he was so helpful and like he kept wanting to feed me ice cream which I thought oh, was well, like that's my love language yeah and I was like okay Van Leeuwen's no problem mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is also a, a cook Chef, I can't even and so he was always encouraging me to eat and he would feed me and he would even bring me food to work and food had been something that caused you a lot of pain exactly and so I was like really feeling restricted about what I could and couldn't eat even after leaving yeah and <laughs> he was so cute he was like can I make you eggs and I was like okay sure and then he would say like can I add one vegetable to it and mm-hmm. I was like okay and then can I add two I was like uh, uh, okay like every recovering from an eating disorder well a cult induced eating disorder yes. which is so weird because it's not like I chose it yeah. it's just like it started to happen and then I had to be good at it and so I became like really anorexic and you were really... like the best at the eating disorder oh, oh my god and I and, and it's like I'm from LA I know how to do this <laughs> But honestly, it was so horrible for me because I'm naturally a chef myself. I cook. I'm not trained like Patrick, Mm -hmm. but I'm a foodie. And so for me... Food brought you joy. Food brought me a lot of joy. And so that was removed. And so I've had to kind of reestablish this love of food Mm. that I had naturally. And Patrick really was the bridge for that. He's deprogramming like your relationship with food and men and people. I mean, it's also great that... And we have a lot to to work on together as a couple now that we've been together for uh, like three plus years. Mm-hmm. He now has come to know a lot more about my my experience because of Seduced, but also because of what I've shared with him. And he's so much more 
compassionate and understanding, whereas, you know, he he went to school for journalism. And so he had a natural curiosity to the story when I was just sharing with him. And I was like, are you sure you want to know this shit? And he's like, well, I'd rather know it from you than like the news. Yeah. And and I was like, okay, fair enough. And he was so non-judgmental and so open to the things that I had to say, even though I could tell that certain things were making him uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. that we've really grown as a couple because of like this level of honesty that we've had to have because it's kind of impossible to move forward if you don't oh my god okay um this is incredible we are going to end with a final game that i always play on burning in hell that i'm very excited i also have four billion questions for you um that we will get to to be continued (laughs) because i I, side note your grandma the princess of yugoslavia is an icon (laughs) and hysterical and hilarious does my fiance wanted me to tell you he's a big fan so am i i miss her i hate covid because i can't see her oh my god she is a powerhouse but you also come from a family of such interesting powerful women that it's it's i want people to understand that the kind of people that go into cults are like type a driven individuals that are looking for a purpose come from interesting stock (laughs) yes yes um so it's called the seven deadly sins so this is you now this is india as like a more complex human ah with all my scar tissue and whatnot she's still bleeding a little but who isn't seven deadly sins what are you greedy about chocolate Ooh, <laughs> i i really love chocolate and i love to like nosh on delicious treats and mm. i'm definitely greedy about that i'm less inclined to share mm. if i have something that i really like i love the word nosh i feel like people should use that verb more often um who are you envious of and it could also be a type of person too mm. Probably a type like Megan Fox. Because <laughs> to be honest, like I was not I, expecting. I, I, I'm just telling you, like I'm just gonna be real with yeah. you because I look at someone like I'm like, how do you do that? Like, how are you so sexy? <laughs> and like, how are you so confident? Because like that's like you know, if I you know had a wig on and a bunch of makeup and like mm. somebody dressed me up. I'd be so nervous to walk on the street like that. And she just seems like so cool with it. And mm-hmm. I, I would love to be able to like be comfortable with my sexuality and my femininity in that way. And that's something that I strive for. But I just like look at someone like that. I'm like, holy crap. But but I also think people looking at you sitting down in that room and just like telling your entire story is the most confident like and like hot thing you could do being like this is me and um we live and we learn well thank you what do you what do you gluttonous about so besides chocolate what do you overindulge in do you have like a guilty pleasure peanut butter Oh, yes. Add it on. Yeah, I love it. I just take it by Do you the put spoon. the chocolate and the peanut butter together sometimes? Sometimes, and I also just like to, you know, find vehicles for peanut butter. This is a nosh podcast. <laughs> um, when was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger? Oh, recently. Um, that's something that I really come to enjoy because I took up boxing quite heavily. Oh, hell yeah. And so for me, I get to, like, really feel that rage and that aggression when I play that sport and when I practice boxing with my coach Mm -hmm. Um, and so sometimes I imagine this is gonna get weird Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I imagine like really taking my bare fists and punching Keith in the face until he's like a puddle Mm. and 
it feels really good. It's taking your power back. Yeah, and I'm not really a violent person, but there's something really like murderous mm. about getting that out there and sharing it and expressing it. And when I get to box, I really just feel like that power. I really, I did this thing in therapy where you like. <laughs> Sorry, people. <laughs> oh, don't apologize. That this they can handle this. I did this thing in therapy where I like went back to a really painful time where I was scared or like someone was abusive, and I like put myself in that spot, and then I was like, okay what's something you wish you did and like because your mind doesn't really know the difference between a memory and like a new memory i know and it feels so good it's like all this then you just you take that memory and you say fuck that memory because this is me now i'm gonna pummel it i'm gonna pummel it (laughs) also like what is he five three like he's a mini i could squash him now i have like biceps and everything honestly wasn't surprising when i heard that he was short but anyway i'm not gonna get into that i'm not gonna get into that when was the last time you were a sloth so like lazy piece of shit didn't do anything Hmm. over the summer i spent a lot of time in my apartment Mm -hmm. um and i just like would allow myself a whole day where i would just be lazy and like order Uber Eats, sushi to my bed, Mm. like Mm -hmm. just hang around with my cats. And that for me is really relaxing and it's really good for me because I am someone who thinks like I need to be doing something in order to be valuable. (laughs) Yeah. And so for me to just be a total like slob and be in my, you know, boxers and a t-shirt all day is super fun. Okay. I just found out you love cats, which is. Oh my God. Cats are my purpose. That's my. Cats are my purpose. Butter is my cat's name. Beans um, and rice. <laughs> Wait, beans and rice? <laughs> Shut up. Okay, cat names that are food are like my They're everything. They're my therapy cats. Therapy cats. That's why you were fine without therapy. Butter saved my life. Same. Beans and rice have given me so much purpose. <laughs> and I honestly, I rescued them during, you know, the beginning of quarantine. Everyone's Perfect. like, don't get a cat. Don't get a cat. Get a cat. Like, I'm getting two. Yes. And double they're, it. <laughs> they're brother and sister and they bring me so much joy. I have a complex question for you because you said like, how can I be worthy without being productive? You got into Nexium because you clearly felt like if you were successful, people would love you more. Mm-hmm. And then the opposite happened where you did something that is arguably looked down upon as yes. unsuccessful. In society. Yes. So how do you handle that now? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, I think what I've come to learn from this experience is that there are bigger, broader issues and that my story or my journey is just like one tiny, tiny little piece of this mm. broader thing that has brought me a lot of um, sense of community and Mm -hmm. also camaraderie like with other survivors and also other women in general and I feel like there are things that we all could learn and we could all benefit from that could help us avoid this very unusual circumstance so you found happiness through community and through teaching and And like different forms and just kind of being like expressing yourself creativity this is what happened to me this is you know something that could happen to you and that's given me a lot of of peace but also working with different groups like rain i'm i i'm on one of their um national ambassador boards and they are the premier like you know anonymous sexual assault hotline and so for me doing any kind of activism work or even writing and expressing things that are related to the topic of keeping people safe and abolishing shame that's Mm -hmm. like what moves me a lot. Oh, I love it so much. And also, 
like your mom was very successful in the limelight growing up and you probably want to impress her maybe and mm -hmm. now at least you're like um at least i'm not a cult so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the girls episode where it's like i could be doing heroin <laughs> and and we have such a different relationship now I and, I, and I, I just love my mom and we really get each other and there's so much mutual respect that we have for one another because of what she did for me it's oh, like i i can't the even love, talk about it without the love crying. from that woman like she fucking fought the tiger and i i do the yeah your love has just become so much it's way more real and it's way more deep and i just feel so much gratitude it's not that her. it wasn't there but like a challenge an obstacle was put in front of her and she became a mama bear oh yeah she lifted that car <laughs> even though you looked at her and said mom i fucking hate you leave me the exactly. fuck alone she goes okay whatever this is not my girl yeah she oh. knew <sighs> when was the last time you let your ego get in the way of something how is your ego doing how is my ego that's a good ego check uh this is the tough question. Yeah, this is a tough one. You know, there's a lot of places where I feel pretty insecure uh, about my capacity to like learn because of, you know, my learning disability and the things that I, I usually avoid, like math, for mm. instance. Mm -hmm. And I am really... Ego, <laughs> my ego really gets in the way of me actually like doing shit that's hard for me. Mm. Like I let Patrick do take care of all the bills oh, and yeah. all of the finances. And I'm just like... I don't do that. Yeah. I don't do that shit. I don't do math. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll pay, I'll pay for half of it. But like you do that. Do you ever find but, you like try it and then it's not working and you like get pissed because off? Because it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to feel this hard shit. I just want this to be easy. And I'm like, that's so bratty. Yeah. But your brain <laughs> just doesn't, you're like, sorry, my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah, bye. And he's like, what do you think? You're better than me? I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't deal with bills. I'm like servant to do the bills. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm not opening this envelope. Ill. So that's exactly I'm like oh gross when was the last time you lusted over someone or who was your celebrity crush besides Patrick <laughs> Patrick is my celebrity <laughs> crush um I'm trying to think of like who's my recent celebrity crush but I I did have one long-standing celebrity crush mm. in my life because of the Lord of the Rings movies <gasps> and I loved uh, Vigo Mortensen. Oh my God, I love a I like, oh Vigo moment. Oh my God, right? he was so hot. People were really into Orlando, and I was like, Vigo's the zaddy. Exactly. V oh my God, he looks like you take a punch. His light I eyes. Know. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Scruff. Thank you for reminding me of him <laughs> because now I know what. I okay, this is amazing. Yeah, that was a blast from the past, but also like really had a long. Vigo was impact. so hot. No one talked about it enough. I liked the elves and all, but I was more into the elf girls than I was yeah. into the elf guys. Yeah. I was like, okay, Vigo can come. I was like jealous that the elf guys had nicer hair than me. <laughs> um, okay, so to wrap this up, I do have one. Okay, I have one, I have two questions. Okay, are you practicing forgiveness at all? I think. I have to because I don't like living with all the bitterness. And so I've had to come to terms with certain things, which requires you to forgive people like Allison Mack or, you know, anyone who's wronged me in the past. It's like it gives me relief to actually have forgiveness, but it doesn't mean that you forget everything that happened. You just yeah, have like to not like a mafia movie, but listen, I forgive. I don't forget. Right. Because you don't want the forgiveness to feel like what they did was okay. Right, and you don't want to let people off the hook because then yeah. I think that can kind of make you a little bit more susceptible to being abused again. Yes. But I also think that you have to have forgiveness for yourself and for them because they're a human being too. Yeah. Finally, 
for all the little devils listening, what advice would you give in general on what to do when you're going through hell? Mm. When you're in your dark place, when you don't want to move forward, what's your go-to? Such a good question. Because when you're in that dark, dark place, yeah. it's you can have your whole toolbox. And, you know, I have, a, I have a note in my phone that's like, do this when you feel fucked up. Do mm-hmm. this, do this, do this. And sometimes it's like nothing works because you're in such a trench. Yeah, you could listen to every podcast. And <laughs> yeah. When it happens to you, you're like, no. Totally. And I, I think for me, what I've found is like a really good access point is music. Mm. And it's like, it gets me out of my head, gets me into my body and, and kind of reminds me of good memories, even when I feel so like resistant to this, whatever, the depression or the anxiety, like music can really snap me out of something quicker than therapy. And it gets me to a place where I'm a little more receptive to maybe feeling better. Can you listen to songs you listen to while in the cult? Sometimes no, sometimes yes. I have a stand-up bit you'll see tomorrow where I'm like, <laughs> ex-boyfriends ruin every song you listen to during the time you date it. Totally, no, that's true. Like, I still can't listen to certain songs. Certain songs I'm like, nah, won't go there. And then certain songs I'm like, yes, this is my anthem. Yeah, so you have to use that power yeah. to like find those positive moments or recreate new memories. Totally. India, you have been such an incredible guest. I actually could have you on for eight hours, and I'm not even joking. We'd have our own documentary, a new documentary, <laughs> Seduce Part 7. Um, where can people follow you? What programs can they get involved with? Can you just give me all the goods? Sure. Um, I am horrible with social media, so I'm really, <laughs> really trying to get better at it, which Patrick's always like, come on, babe. Like, you got to get into it. I'm like, ah! Um, so... I'm on uh, Instagram under India Oxenberg, just my name. You can mm-hmm. find me there. I usually respond to messages and comments pretty regularly unless I'm in a really fucking dark hole and mm-hmm. then you won't hear from me for a couple days. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Stars uh, with Seduced, the series. Highly recommend watch it. It's, Thank you. If you fly Delta, it is available. Or on Amazon Prime. I think you can see it there. And also I, I wrote a book exclusively for Audible that I narrated. And that's called Still Learning. So those are my places. And I also work with Rain, which I mentioned to you. And they're an incredible resource for anybody who is struggling with uh, sexual abuse, sexual assault, or maybe knows a friend who might need an anonymous contact to reach out to. Amazing. It's been so cool to be here in person with you. See your full-fledged personality, <laughs> not just a story about something you went through. An edited An edited documentary. documentary. Um, and yeah, I love you so much. Aww, and little thank devils, you. thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>